Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. We're talking about God. And He will show you what path you should take. And it's so important that we recognize that how He shows us that path we should take, He never shines a light like a, a million candle watt flashlight down your path and said, this is what you should do. He gives us that light, as he says in Psalm 119, 105, the lamp into our feet and the light into our path, but not the lightning rod path, of lightning worth of light on our path, but just enough for what's the next step. And that's what we're here to talk about today. We've got author, speaker, Dr. Steve Ostef back in studio with us today. Not Steve Ostef like he's Irish. He's not Irish. <laughs> No, not Irish. <laughs> not Irish. He's from Kentucky. So, you know, you're not. it's Steve Steph, the author of The Business Card and many other future books, but he's back in studio. And today we're talking about that road, that path to entrepreneurship, and we're really talking about what does it take to go from technician to entrepreneur and what does it look like? Dr. Steve Steph, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. It's great to be back with you today. Thanks for the opportunity. You know, I had them shut down the air conditioner in the studio today yeah. just so it would feel more like a sauna. Because you grew up in the South, 
And and, you, and then you also said you've lived in the islands. Uh, yep. And so if you're going to live in the islands, you're used to the hot humidity. And we, I couldn't get them to up the humidity, but I thought maybe you'd feel more like you're at home. I just uh, returned to the Venice area, Venice, Sarasota area from the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And, and I just appreciate the welcome home with the temperature. It makes me realize I'm back in the south south. You know, nobody ever can complain about a single day of weather in Florida Amen. in the wintertime. Amen. It just can't be done. All right. So... Before we get started with our conversation today about the path from the leap from technician to entrepreneur, just share how Christ is making an impact on your life today. Gee, well, I tell you, you know, there's just so many things happening in our, in our workplace, in our, our personal work, in my life between my wife and myself. We just recently moved. Uh, our son and his bride have just returned from New Zealand. Uh, we're just in the in the process of integrating into a different church down in uh, Sarasota County. So many things going on there. Business is growing. Ministry is growing. Uh, my wife and I were sitting talking about it a couple of weeks ago and praying about it, and and both of us said at about the same time, it seems as though everything is going our way. Now I, I want to be clear. It's not always like that, and it may change before we get home tonight. But praise God for the moments that you have like that. That's awesome. I forgot to ask you, when your kids came back from New Zealand, yeah. did they talk funny? Uh, yeah, yeah, my son talked a little funny there because he works on, on learning uh, so much about the culture when he's involved in different cultures there. So so he, he, he tries so hard to integrate when he's there that now that he's back, you know, he's still using some of those words like the garage instead of the garage, you know. We don't have gay garages in North Carolina or Florida. We have garages. Yeah. We had a guy on a, on a previous show a couple of months ago that was from New Zealand who lives now in Redding, California, and it was just awesome. People were like, I just wanted to listen to him. Yeah. He talks so cool. Yeah. So it was cool. All right. So we're talking about this path that that really, to me, was described so so very very well in the book, the E Myth Revisited. Yes. Yeah. The E-Myth originally and the E-Myth Revisited, but really this path from technician to entrepreneur. And so I really want, let, let's just talk about, we hear all the time about businesses that are, they're, they're, they're billion dollar businesses, but really the heart of America is built on the backs of small business owners. Absolutely. Over 5 million businesses in the United States that employ 20 people or fewer and the vast majority of those employ four or less. So that's a whole lot of small business people. You know, the, the, the U.S. government defines a small business. Uh, I think their break is like $25 million. Well, for the average man on the street, we can't even relate to that. So my idea of a small business is that guy that's anywhere from $40,000 to $250,000 to maybe $500,000 and, and may employ maybe either self-employed or he employs four or five or maybe 10 or 12 people. Yeah, and when you look at that, those numbers, then those twenty, those five million businesses employ somewhere around twenty or twenty-five million people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and when you look at that, that's twenty-five percent of the employed population today. Because they say today, you know, we've got three hundred plus million people living in the country. A hundred million of them are still unemployed or underemployed. You got a hundred million don't work because they're under eighteen. Yep. And the other hundred million, and then you got that thirty million that work that we don't know about, and hmm. and then you got the twenty five million that are working for these small businesses. So, so really, our economy is driven by the impact no, of small yeah. businesses. No question, no question. And and we get a lot through our through my business, transforming leadership. We work with uh, a considerable number of these entrepreneurs 
business starters, if you will. They've got a good idea. They go out and start a business, and and they're at uh, they're at first, second, third step, and they're trying to figure out, okay, how do I get to fourth, fifth, and sixth step? Invariably, Jim, they have started a business because they had the technical skills that they decided they wanted to go and do it themselves. Now they're figuring out, hold it, it's required to go to the next step. It requires more than technical skills. Now I've got to know how to run a business. And that's an entirely different thing. Well, and, and let's just let's just delve into that a little bit. And listen, if you want to call into the show today because you're thinking about starting a business and you don't know which way to go, you know, call into the studio line today. Not just for the book segment, but if you've got a question for, for Steve Steph, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Andrea is standing by. All right, so let, let's talk about that mentality. What, you know, You've got this technician. You've got somebody. Well, describe a technician, please, for the well, audience. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go back in my own life. We'll back up about 30-plus years, not to get too specific there, but I uh, worked on boats. I spent almost 20 years in southwest Florida working on boats, southwest Florida and the Caribbean. Uh, I was a first-class mechanic uh, and knew everything there was about running and repairing that boat. So now I'm going to go out and work on my own. So I'm the technician. So now I'm going to go start my own business. But why do you want to do that? I want to because I'm tired of working for that other guy. I don't think I'm getting paid as much as I should get paid, or I don't like the environment of working with the other guy. I want the freedom. I want the responsibility. I want what I perceive, anyway, to be the benefits that come from running my own business. Of course, perception and reality, sometimes there's a gap there, but that's what I thought. Well, but okay, but that's often how small businesses are started. And every year, thousands and thousands of small businesses are formed. And every year, thousands and thousands of businesses fail. Well, more accurately, every year, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of businesses are formed and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of businesses fail. And frequently, they fail. You just had to up me by the hundred. Well, I, I I only upped you by one zero. You know, so it, the, the challenge is I want to be that technician, and, and I can do that, and I can make a pretty good living. But, you know, if I could get another mechanic working for me and make a little bit off of the work he does, now I'm growing. Now I've, now I've got a business. When it's just me, uh, I may say I have a business, and, and I do, but in fact, I'm really just self-employed. Because if it's just me and I decide five years from now I want to sell that business, what the, the distinction between owning that business and self-employed is when I get ready to sell it, if I leave, the business is gone. If I own a real live viable business, I can sell that to you. You can take my assets, you can take my people, and you can go out and continue that business. And that's really the conversation that people have in their head. They're like, okay, I'm working for somebody else. I'm making them a lot of money. In fact, I make 12 bucks an hour, and they're charging 50 or 75 bucks an yeah. hour on my time. You know, I ought to be able to make some of that money and bring that in for myself. But the issue is that most of those people who are technicians who decide, I'm going to go off on my own, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to go repair boats, or I'm going to go do landscaping, or I'm going to go... Yeah. Any number of businesses, they have the skills, and they're maybe a very good technician, yeah, but they have no idea how to take it to the next level. And that's really what I want to talk about today, that path from technician and that idea that person goes, I've got an idea. I want to, I want to take my job, and I want to expand it. I want to make the kind of money that my boss is making, but they're not sure what that next step is. So when we... A question, uh, making that leap from entrepreneur to... Um 
I'm sorry, from, from technician to entrepreneur, I think the first step that I would, would recommend for our people out there, for our listeners, is a visioning exercise. That is, sit down and, and, and just think through with maybe with some uh, good counselor friends of yours, people that you trust, and a pen and paper, because I want you to write this out. I want you to brainstorm this out. If I knew I couldn't fail, what would I want my business to look like? If I knew I couldn't fail, what would I want it to look like? Start with that, and then, you know, that, that's going to take some brainstorming. You know, how many people are we talking about? Where would we be located? What what products would we offer? How would we do it? I mean, draw it out almost like a business plan, but not to that detail, but draw that thing out. What would it look like if I knew I couldn't fail? You know, and we're talking to a, a Christian-based audience that really wants to put God at the center of what they're doing, and a lot of them are going to pray about whether they, they do that or not. Sure. My challenge to them would be, if you really are, if you're, if you, if you're just frustrated in your job, but you're good at your job, you're a technician and you're just frustrated in your job, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should go out and start your own business. No, absolutely not. Because, yeah. you know, of, of the businesses that start each year, what percentage of them make it three years? A uh, very small percentage make it three, make it five years. I think fewer than 20% make it five it's a, years. It's, it, a, it, it's a pretty slim it's a pretty slim cut. But I would tell you that a lot of those people, myself included years back, uh, made some of that jump to sole proprietor or, or built my own job merely because I didn't want to be held accountable to someone else. And that's not the wisest move in the world. No, because you're still accountable to your customers. Yeah, you're accountable to your customers. You're accountable to your own payroll. You're accountable to your spouse, your family, and and paying those bills. So some of it is part of the growing up process, whether you're 18, 28, or 58. Well, and I think a lot of people really underestimate what it takes to run a business. No question. You know, when you're a technician in a business, every day you go in and you do one thing and you get to be an expert at it. That's right. When you're a business owner, certainly a small business owner, at first you're the janitor, you're the bookkeeper, you're the salesperson, you're the uh, customer service person, you're the technician. Marketing. And marketing. See, yeah. you're doing it all because yeah. you can't afford to hire all those people unless you just inherit well, a lot I of money. I don't have time to market and sell right now because I'm doing the job. Right. You know, if I'm out installing an engine in a boat or if I'm out repairing an engine in the boat, I really don't have time to generate any other sales because I'm up to my arms in diesel fuel. Right. So, and I think the best book that describes this, and you've written a book and we're going to talk about that later, but the best book that describes here's what it takes to become an entrepreneur, the best book ever written to me so far. And I've read a lot of books. Now, I've not read as many, written as many, read as many as you probably, but The E-Myth Revisited. It's a great book. Michael Gerber wrote The E-Myth and then The E-Myth Revisited. And, and I'm telling you, Gerber brings home some tremendous points in that book. I would highly recommend it to anyone. I have read it multiple times. I've made sure that my son has read it multiple times. The guys that work for us, for our organization, have all read it. Uh, I've got bullet points from it in my Evernote file right now. Great book. Great book. Because it, it really describes everything that you should do before you start your business. Not after you start yeah. your business, but before you start your business. Because it's really a story of a, of a woman who starts a pie store and because she likes to make pies, but she was yeah. tired of working yeah. for somebody else. Right. right. And, and they take it through and all the things she should have known before she started her pie shop. 
I had a discussion earlier today with a dear friend of mine. We're talking about a business that he's starting, and I said, is that business scalable? The way you're seeing it now, is it scalable? Because if it's not scalable, that is, can you duplicate it somewhere else, and can you duplicate that somewhere else with somebody else? If not, then there's a good chance that you're building a job, not a business. And that's okay. Don't misunderstand. I've got... I certainly uh, uh, don't mean to, to uh, demean or diminish that, you know, building a job, but be clear about what you're doing. And if you're building that business, then it's scalable. I can do it here. I can I can set another one up in Tampa. I can set another one up in Lakeland. I set another one up in Sarasota. I'm not saying you have to do that, but from a business model standpoint, that's the first step is make sure it's scalable. Once it's Once you've accomplished that, then if it goes and it thrives and you want to change roles somewhat, then you can take, in Michael Gerber's language, then you can take the leap from being the manager of that business to being the entrepreneur of the next one. It's, it's such a process of really looking at – there's a lot of people that go into business without thinking – yeah. anything through. Yeah. But what when you look at, and we're going to give away a copy of the E-Myth right after the top of the hour, so stay tuned for that. But when, when you look at all these people considering starting businesses, and, and let's just be specific with talking to those Christian people out there right now, those people who actually have, they said, okay, they listened to a show recently that we did on, on the priorities from God, mm-hmm. and, and they've got God as their number one priority, and they really feel like God is calling them to start a business, and they've got their family in the right priority, and they've got their spouse in the right priority, so they said, okay, no, I'm supposed to start a business. There's a couple of things that people often face, some very common denominators that people face that are the major roadblocks that keep them from starting that business. What yeah. are they? I think if you've got the guy, uh, you know, if, if I'm following you, if we've got the guy that's already a sole proprietor and he's already made that leap, now he's getting ready to hire his first guy. So he goes out and he hires another technician. Now he's got to manage that guy. Again, going back to Gerber's language of technician, manager, entrepreneur. Now he's got to manage that guy and run the business. The skill set required for him as a manager is an entirely different skill set than that than what is required of him as a technician. He's not just working on the engine and installing the engine. He's doing the sales, all that that we talked about before, plus... He's ensuring that his new co-worker is doing all of his work correctly. And he can't just drive that person. He's got to manage that person. Hold new skill set. That's where we start to fail. A lot of these businesses would continue to succeed if they remain sole proprietors. But it's when they start to grow that they fall apart. Well, and it's really in, in, when the sole proprietor starts to think, okay, what's my perpetuation plan? Although most of them yeah. don't think that. They don't think that. Is that. What happens when I get disabled? Or what happens when I get old? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe, I, maybe my kid will take it over. But most sole proprietors or kids don't want to have anything to do with the business because the sole proprietors are always working so much. That's right. The kids are like, I don't want to do that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So they, they don't want to reproduce it. So that sole proprietor... Like we've just said, not everybody's cut out to run a business because to run a business, you need to be good to to actually run the business, no longer to be the technician, because when you run a business, you don't get to do the fun stuff you used to love. That's right. I, I can remember telling my wife 30 years ago when I was a sole proprietor that we don't take a vacation. We have a week or whatever, 10 days that we're just not generating income. That's a big difference than when I was working at the marina for someone else. Then I got a real-life vacation. 
and I might get paid in the, while I'm gone. When I'm that sole proprietor working on that boat, that's not a vacation. That's just a week or 10 days that I'm not generating income. Well, even if you're running your own business and you take a vacation and you got employees doing the work they're supposed to do, it's oh, still not a vacation. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> but but I, you know, when, when Martha and I had our chain of insurance agencies, we could take a vacation because we had people I knew would do their job, and I still got paid because the insurance business that's is right. a recurring revenue business. That's right. Yeah. So that was okay. Yeah. Because you'd grown the business enough that the business would continue to operate even when you weren't there. And that's the ideal. I mean, that that's when we're really getting somewhere as far as a business owner is. Do I have to be there day in, day out, hour in, hour out for the business to operate? And if the answer is yes, then really what I've created is a job, not a business. Well, and, and that's a big difference. Now, some people, that's okay, because some people, maybe that, that, that works better for them to have their, yeah, yeah. it's their job. Absolutely. It's fine. But now there's, but there's a couple of common barriers that stand in front of people that keep them from taking their sole proprietorship to that next level. Yeah. And what are those two common barriers? I think the two bar- two greatest barriers there, in my opinion, are fear and pride. Fear and pride. Fear and pride. Fear is, uh, it comes in a couple of uh, categories. One of the fear is that it's going to fail, that I'm not going to be able to pay the guy. The other is the fear is there's a good chance if I'm moving from sole proprietor to hiring someone, I'm going to have to set aside, Jim, some of my personal income in order to pay this guy until he starts to generate revenue on his own. All right, so that's pretty I want, scary. I don't want to take that any deeper because I want after the top of the hour, I want to dig deep into fear. Good. And then I want to dig deep into pride. But describe pride real quick. Yeah, pride real quick is, well, this is my business. This has got my name on it. Everything coming out of this business has got my name on it. And some of that I don't want to let go of. That's just It's just that simple. Some of that I don't want to let go of. Uh, the, the whole identity of the business is tied up in me. And I want to keep it that way. And that's a, that's a dangerous thing, to have the whole identity of the business tied up in you, because if anything happens to you, you no longer really have a hard business. Hard to scale that, isn't it? It yeah. is really hard yeah. to scale. And, and that's really the difference between a, a, a technician and somebody who is really called to run a business, is they've got, they, they know how to put themselves... That's right. Aside. The, the the entrepreneur, the real live entrepreneur, doesn't have that kind of pride in the thing because he's creating something. It, it's not his identity. It's his creation. And he he's fine letting somebody else go out and do the thing. He's ready to go create something else. Mm. All right. So when we come back, Steve, I really want to dig deep into those two barriers that keep people from being successful and growing a business. Good. It's not to say that they can't uh, be a successful sole proprietor, but when they take it and they want to grow that business and actually create an asset that can be sold, they've got to get past the fear and the pride. That's right. Right before the break, we talked about the fact that there are two common barriers that keep that technician who's become a sole proprietor from being able to take their business to the next level. What were those two barriers? Fear and pride. All right. So I, I want to get back in deep into what is fear and what is pride and how, how do those things keep us from growing our business. But before we do, it's time for our book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years 30 years in March. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Olmerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot stores open to the public seven days a week. Shop online at shopcaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S dot com. 
Be the one of the first two people. Well, first, we'll do one book at a time. Be the first person to call into the studio line right now at 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. And get a copy of the book that Steve Steff wrote called The Business Card. It's all about a business guy named Peter whose life was rocked by Jesus. And he decided and he found out that the people in his business had no he had very little respect for the people that actually worked for him he didn't know what they did and didn't have appreciation for how they did it and he decided to put his faith on the forefront on the back of his business card so that he would be held accountable to the core values that God had built into him and that he wanted to run his business by and so Steve Steph went and interviewed this guy named Peter who's got a business in Spartanburg South Carolina, or is that North Carolina? Yeah, that's right. South Carolina. South Carolina. And it's an international business, and this book is all about the stories of, of how Christ really revolutionized this guy named Peter and his business and how it's impacted people around the globe. So if you want to get a copy of the business card, call right now into the studio line at 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And you got to remember, read this book. Don't wait for the movie. All right, that person's already called in for that copy of that book. Now, the second book, Steve, I really want to highlight. You didn't write it, but you use it each and every day. I use it each and every day in business mentoring and coaching. It's called The E-Myth, or The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Yeah, just a tremendous book, Tim. Why don't you describe it for me? Well, the the book describes in detail Gerber's philosophy on uh, uh, technician, manager, and entrepreneurship, breaks down the, you know, what are those roles, what skills are required in each of those roles, what are the barriers from the technician moving from the stage of technician to manager, what are the barriers for the manager moving into the stage of, of entrepreneurship, can one person be all three, uh, again, you know, what are the threats to that? He just does a really good job. But again, you know, I, I want to emphasize one of the first things that, that Gerber drives home is build a scalable business because then it's a real-life functioning business as opposed to just self-employed. Right. Build a scalable business. And, and here's the deal on that book. No, it, it was uh, – here's here's my theory. Was Gerber a Christ follower when he started writing that book 30 years ago? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I, but, I don't know. But when he did the E-Myth Revisited, boy, the whole tone at the end of the book sure. and his and his story sure sounds like he found Christ yeah. in the middle of that process. Yeah, I, I would agree. There is clearly a, uh, a, a spiritual emphasis there toward the end of the book. I think about uh, – uh, Stephen Covey's book, you know, the one way back, Seven Habits Seven of Highly Habits Effective. Of highly I mean, you know, there's so millions of copies of this thing. And when you get to the last habit there, I think it's the last habit, where it talks about sharpening the stone. Uh, or sh- Is that right? Sharpen the, uh, uh, sharpen the blade, what, whatever. <laughs> sharpen the stone or sharpen the blade. Uh, I mean, he really gets in there to your spiritual walk on things. So great business book, great business principles, dynamite business principles. But uh, but the e myth, the yeah. one we're highlighting, yeah. is all. Of, if you're going to run a business, if you're running a business, if as we're talking small businesses, although the the it applies to all of them, but if you're going to start your own business, you're thinking about starting your own business, you're already in a small business. This is an absolutely must read for you. 
I've worked, we have worked with businesses in uh, the RTP area up in North Carolina. Nobody knows what that means. That's uh, Research Triangle Park. And it's outside of Raleigh, Raleigh-Durham area. Huge. I mean, that's where all your IBMs, just just a plethora of startups and all sorts of tech businesses up there. We've worked with businesses that are 5 and $10 million businesses that are still technically driven businesses and, and are struggling with how to get to the next level. And that book is so applicable. Hey, I'd like to congratulate Glenn from Valrico, who won the copy of the business card. Now, we're going to give away a copy of the E-Myth. Sure. So if you want to win a copy of the E-Myth, if you're thinking about starting a business, you've already started one, you don't know where to go next, or if you're in a business and you really are struggling and you've already got people working for you, you need a copy of the E-Myth, but you need, I mean, it's going to destroy your life because it, it just tears you apart. Great book. <laughs> it is a great book. It's awesome. Call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. you got to get a copy of the E-Myth. Call in right now. Andrea is, she's standing by, she is actually standing by in the sauna that we've got here called the studio today. 855-265-2929. Get your copy of the E-Myth. And you know, really, you gotta read this book, too, because Hollywood ain't ever gonna make this movie. No. No. Andrew, thank you. Okay. Very good. All right. We got the caller right there. We give away both books right away. Fantastic. So excited about that. Okay, Steve, we talked about there's these two common barriers that keep people from really taking their business to the next level, fear and pride. Yeah. Talk to me about fear. What does it look like, and how does it keep people from taking their business to the next level? Real real quickly, two aspects of fear that I believe are barriers to taking your business to the next level. One is financial fear. That is, can I figure out some way to set aside part of my income for the time being to underwrite my new employee until that employee starts generating revenue. And and that's a pretty fearful thing. You know, we're making a couple of new hires ourselves at the first of the year. And I will tell you that for the first few months, they're not going to produce any revenue. So we've got to pay them from someplace. Well, guess where they're getting paid from? You're right, from my revenue, you know, my income, you know, small company. So that that's the first part, the financial fear. The second fear. Well, and let's just try okay, before you okay. go into that. Let's describe that a little bit further because a lot of people don't like. What do you mean? Okay, well, if you're if you're taking a salary out of the place right now of a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, you just have a, an administrative assistant, okay, and so you're paying that person, and maybe your revenues are a quarter of a million dollars a year, and so you've you've got a little fluff. Well, maybe now you need to take it to the next level. You need to hire a salesperson or a marketing person or another technician. And now you can't afford to pay yourself $100,000 a year and pay this technician what he, he or she is worth. And so yeah. you have to give up some of your income or you're going to the red. Yeah. A lot of people borrow money to take their business to the next level instead of cutting their pay. Yeah, but let's let's back up one more level because you mentioned that I'm making 100 grand a year and I've got this administrative assistant. What about the guy that's making 60 grand a year and he doesn't have an administrative assistant? The question I would have for him is how much work are you doing you, you've got a certain number of skills that you bring to the, technical skills that you bring to the table. How much work are you doing on administrative functions that you could hire someone to do that for a fraction of what you could generate utilizing your technical skills? 
Well, and I run into that all the time. Small business owners. I deal with a lot of Christian small business owners who are they're 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 doing the book work. Yep. They're doing the the copying and the faxing, and they're doing all of these tasks that don't involve high level skills. And they are. Uh, that's not to say. Yeah, it, it takes somebody that's organized that will just do that. Sometimes that work. How do I say this without sticking a foot in my? They, okay, they're not doing the technical work. They're doing the administrative work, and they can make a lot more money if they would just do more technical work. I don't care if they hire a virtual assistant, but they can get someone to do it other than them, and then they could take whatever their specific skill is, whatever their value added skill is, and they can go out and generate far more money than what that administra- those administrative functions are costing them. And you're going to employ somebody who could really benefit from getting a good job. Absolutely. And, yeah. and those people often will stick with you for a long time. Hey, I'd like to thank Larry of St. Pete for calling in. He won the E-Myth. You know, he says he loves the show. Uh, thanks, Larry, for listening. I appreciate it. And let us know when you start that new business after reading that book. And if you want to walk through that book, you know, we've got some great people that can help take you through it. Listen, Steve, the, the fear thing, we broke it down. I stopped in the middle of it. Sure. When we come back from our break, we'll come back and talk about the second half of fear and get into pride. Proverbs eighteen twelve. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Do you spend time at work with your staff or just with your peers? One of the most effective management tools you can buy is a comfortable pair of shoes. Then get out where the action is and talk to employees at every level of the company. Show genuine interest, listen to their concerns, and encourage feedback. If you associate only with other managers, you're missing a great opportunity to build your business. Million-dollar suggestions can come from the office, factory, warehouse, or loading dock. No position is too lowly to yield good ideas. If you take time each week to manage by wandering around, not only will employee morale improve, you will be surprised by the dividends it will return to your business. Proverbs 18.12, Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. All right, we have in-studio author and speaker Dr. Steve Steff who wrote the business card. We already gave away a copy of that. You can find out more about Dr. Steph on his website at tleadership.com. That's T, just the word T, leadership.com. The name of his business is Transforming Leadership. And if you're, well, Steve, why don't you tell them what you do? Well, we do uh, professional development for, generally for high-performing executives. We do a lot of executive coaching. We actually have three levels of coaching, uh, uh, executive or C-suite coaching, mid-level managers, and then the uh, uh, high potentials or uh, strategic coaching for the for those that are moving into the business. All right, so you can find out more about Dr. Steph on his website, tleadership.com. That's tleadership.com. And, of course, I'll post that on Facebook later this evening. Right. All right, before the break, we're talking about the barriers, the common barriers that keep business owners from taking their business to the next level. We talked about fear, and within fear, we broke it out that uh, the first fear one was the uh, fear of giving up a source of their income in order to hire the next person in order to grow their business. Right. Financial fear. Financial fear. The next fear was? Next fear is control fear. Control fear. I've got to to release a certain amount of control if somebody else is going to do work with my name on it. You know, if I'm the sole proprietor, if I'm the small business owner, and I've got one other person working for me or 10 other people working for me. Actually, uh, we, I just have dealt with this with a CEO of, of, a, uh, of a franchise organization. But the franchises have the CEO's name on the door. And that uh, CEO wants to make sure that everything that goes out of that franchise looks just perfect because it's got their name on the thing. 
Same thing right down to that two-person, three-person company. Is can, can, I, can I relinquish control of that? And where it becomes a problem, Jim, is, again, we're talking about different skill sets for the, for the uh, technician, manager, and entrepreneur. Where it becomes a problem is in the vetting, the hiring process. Did I hire the right person? Were they adequately trained? So that I know the product that they're putting out there is every bit as good as the product that I'm putting out there. And that's a... You know, as a technician, my product is who I am. That's what I bring. That's right. So there's a huge fear there for somebody else to put it out, but it's got my name on the thing. It's very intimidating. But that's why it's so important. If you're a young business owner and you're just learning, or maybe you're an experienced business owner, but you still make this mistake, when you're hiring people, two suggestions. Number one, always hire people smarter than you. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're surrounding yourself with people that won't intimidate you and you can maintain control over, you're making a huge mistake. Your business will always be mediocre or worse. Always hire smarter people than you. You're still the owner. But you, if you hire smarter people, then it helps you become smarter. But the other thing is something that I, I, I do some mentoring for a local guy here in Tampa Bay. And something that we've instituted every time we want to hire somebody, we always bring him in for the test drive. We offer to pay them for an entire day to come in and experience the business, and they get to ex- so they get to experience the business, and we get to experience them. Yeah. And it's powerful. Do a lot of other businesses good, good, do that? Good idea. So a lot of other businesses are doing that now. As a matter of fact, I just visited with a guy last night that has made a deal with his new employer. I'll work for you for two weeks. If you don't like the work that I'm doing, we'll just walk away and everybody be friends. And that's what he's doing. That's a that's a, a, a little bit that he's bending in order to get the job. But I think that's a great idea on his part. A lot of people hire somebody off of the basis of a couple of interviews. And a that's couple, a huge mistake. A couple mistake. of interviews or they're referred by a friend or it's a friend that I know. I, I've got to tell you that as micro-business owners, we don't do a very good job on our hiring because, again, that requires a skill set that we haven't had the training on it or the experience it's on it. It's al- almost always better to outsource it, yes. but it costs more money to outsource it. But when you hire via outsourcing, if it doesn't work, the outsourcing company. It, it costs more money to do it that way. It even costs more money to involve other people in the interview process. But, Jim, when you do it yourself and it goes wrong... It costs a whole lot more than that. Oh, yeah, because training people is so – training and firing people and unemployment and, and the attitude things and the thing – I mean, just it's a cascade of, well, of and, issues. Well, and what it may do, particularly with that small business, that micro-business owner, what it may do just as well to their reputation. Right. Because you get a bad hire that goes out there on a few jobs and damages your reputation in 30 days – how long is it going to take you to recover from that? Could take a lifetime. The business may yeah. never recover. But, but again, that's that fear of that. And what I want to encourage our micro business owners today is that can be done. There are ways to get around that. There's all sorts of advice and encouragement in the hiring process out there. But that's where the big mistakes are made in that next step. All right, so we've got to move on from fear to pride. So we get the fear of the loss of income and the fear of the loss of control, but pride. How does pride come into play in this in keeping people from taking their businesses to the next level? Pride, you know, kind of blends over with that second element of fear that we talked about a little bit because my name's on the thing. Uh, this is my business. I started it. I own it. I don't want to give away. Uh, I've got a business owner right now that, again, a fairly large business, and they're in the position of bringing a partner in. Well, you know, bringing that partner in is fine. They need that partner. It's a good investment. They need the revenue. But this is my business. I I started this. My name's on the door. 
and now I'm going to sell 20%, 30%, 40% of my business. Uh, this is, I don't feel like it's any longer my business. So, so here's the question I ask my owner. Would you rather be 100% owner of a $3 million business, or would you rather be a 40% owner of a $10 million business? Well, she didn't have to be a math major to figure that out because that $10 million, her value, her, her, her dollar value, financial value is significantly more, and that business may grow significantly greater than $10 million. But she's got to be willing to let go of a little bit, a little bit of control, a little bit of ownership in order to take the next step. Well, and really, when you look at it from a Christ-following standpoint, too, the bigger the business, the more impact potential you have on the community Absol- for Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and this particular business that I'm talking about, just through the growth, the the impact they have, the revenue impact they have, that they can, the ministry they can do with the revenue they're generating is tremendous. Yeah, that's a huge thing. But so you talk about pride and that was in the positive sense you got pride in your product, pride in the, that you just want to make sure it's done right, but there's also you got to set aside your personal pride and really adopt humility. Because if you're going to run a business, you have to run it with humility, not with pride. Exactly. Do you want to build a kingdom or do you want to build a business? If you want to build a business, you don't have to own all of it. You you can parse some of that out and, and let other people help you build that business. If you want to build a kingdom, well, that's a that's a whole different thing, you know. And the the humility thing, you know, that's one of the things that I see so often that owners really struggle with is just putting aside themselves and ministering to their people because yeah. there's nothing more valuable than in your business, your assets, than your people. Absolutely. That's where you have all of your money. I mean, when you look at the accumulated investment in people. Absolutely. It's, the, it's exponential. I can't tell you the number of businesses that I've come across that they will tell you, well, our greatest asset is our people. Well, then when I start working with that business, you know, I, I try to determine, well, if that's your greatest asset, how much care are you giving it? Right. Uh, how much feeding are you giving it? Things like that. And sometimes we find out, just as you and I discussed earlier today, that there may be a gap between who they say they are and who they really are. Hmm. And that's so huge. So any any final 30-second thoughts on action plan and what people can do if they're considering starting a business or they're considering taking their little business and growing it? I, I think the, the first step, I'd go back to what we discussed earlier in the program today, is let's sit down and have that brainstorm session to say, if I could not fail, what would I like for it to look like? And if you'd like for it to look like a sole proprietorship, that's fine. But let's determine what we would like for it to look like. Once we paint that picture and define that, then we start working on the strategy of how to get there. But let's do the brainstorming first. Hmm. That's that's just huge. And if you want to brainstorm with somebody, I'm always available for that. I Work For Him is available to help work on mentoring and coaching Christian small business owners around Tampa Bay. Hey, coming up on the next I Work For Him show, we've got Dave Zillig. He'll be joining us once again to discuss Equilibrium, a new mentoring program for young, up-and-coming business professionals right here in St. Petersburg. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 